Guys, welcome back to the Modern Real Estate Agents with Johnny and Lizzie Phillips. We are back to pod another day. <laughs> to pod another day. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us. Um, you are about to experience two great things. Yeah. One. The first is that we are drawing our giveaway name right now live as we're recording this podcast. We have everyone on a magical wheel on the internets that is going to uh, randomly generate the winner. And I'm so excited about that. Uh, I don't know if you want to record that and send everyone's name out. I'm going to record it on video so people know we're not cheating. Uh, it seems fair. But I don't know how to start it. Oh, nope, there, there we it go. Is, there it okay, is. Okay, it's going. It's going. It's going. Who's going. Going. Oh. Got it. Okay, so I'm going to say the name and I may butcher it and you can just DM me and tell me that I suck. But it is <laughs> Charla or Carla? Charla? One of the three. Your name is beautiful and you are the winner. <laughs> so you'll have to DM me and tell me how to actually say your name. But I will also be reaching out to you directly and letting you know you win. Yes. Guys, thank you to everyone who went on and left us a five-star review and or five-star rating and a review. Yeah. Thank you so much. If you have not done that and you listen to us regularly, please do that. Yes. We have hundreds of listeners, which I'm super thankful for. Yeah. And I, But I would love... Hundreds of reviews. So yeah. please. It helps us just get in front of more people. And exactly. Help out more agents. Um, so so do yeah. That. Well, we're going to jump into today's episode. We actually have a special interview today and I guess we'll go ahead and jump right into it. Yep. Guys, welcome back to the Modern Real Estate Agents with Johnny and Lizzie Phillips. Welcome back, guys. Thank you for joining us. We have a very special guest with us today. Yeah, we are super excited for this one. We have kind of teased out it. It was coming at some point. So we are excited to have our preferred lender on our team, Jenna Lott, here today. Hey, Jenna. Hey, guys. So good to be here with you. I'm excited yeah. to... Uh, be here to chat a little bit about mortgages and real estate and all that good right? stuff. Yes, it's going to be so much fun. Um, guys, we've been working with Jenna for years. Yeah, it'll be almost five years this year. Isn't that crazy? It's been a long time. I know it I was thinking been. about it and and <laughs> how I did not clearly, like I was such a newbie back when we started working together too. But in the lending world, you don't really always share that, you know, so just all the growing and growth and um, development that we've all seen uh, while working together and the beauty of real estate and how you can build these relationships that transition throughout different life cycles or of your business. As your business adjusts and change, you find those important relationships and you're able to maintain those. And I think that's a really beautiful thing about uh, real estate that I've enjoyed. Absolutely. And you brought up a great point about how uh, I think we've talked about it. You can't always just let people know that you are fresh in the business. Yeah. Don't tell people you're, you're green. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Keep people around you that you can help. Uh, that will help you ask questions and, and, and let you know what's going on. But that's, that is so funny. Cause I never would have thought that I was amazed by everything you knew when I walked into your little cubby hole there in the back <laughs> of the office. And yeah. I was fortunate to get traction early on. So by then I closed a good bit of transactions. Mm -hmm. I think that's the key for a lender. And I know we've got some questions. We'll dive in on that too. But mm -hmm. it's really, yeah, you, know, you can have someone that's been in the business for 15 years, but if you're closing one transaction a month, you're not getting the same experience of somebody that's been in the business for one year and closing 10 transactions a month. Oh, right? absolutely. So, exactly. so it's not just about the time of length in the industry, but also about 
how much volume are you closing? Because closing mm-hmm. that volume is where you get the experience from. Exactly. I feel more confident now, like in year five, I'm like, we've handled so many different scenarios that when they pop up, it's no longer scary. Like we know Mm -hmm. if we don't know how to handle the scenario, we at least know where to go. Like it's not scary. You know, your resources to find your solution at that Mm -hmm. point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's jump in. Tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into being a lender. Yeah, so I actually come from a really aggressively entrepreneurial family, um, and I grew up feeling really lost in that environment because I knew that I had the drive to create something, and I knew that I wanted to manage my own business, but I also don't have the create creativity bone in me where it was where I was like, woke up one morning, I'm going to go do this with my life. I very much felt like I can be successful. I can be driven and accomplish something. Tell me what to do. What am I doing? What direction am I going with my life? Mm -hmm. And so I really felt there was a lot of pressure in my family to succeed independently, to be successful, but not on anyone else's coattails. And everyone else in my family had these great, ideas to start from scratch and build a business. And like my mom uh, renovated hotels for years and then she became an interior designer and then she started her own restaurant chains. But I was always looking at those things going, I know I could accomplish something like that, but I don't Mm -hmm. know what I want to do. And then, so I started just going through college, like everyone else in their early twenties, okay, I'm going to pick something and, and work towards that. And I actually got my degree in early childhood education with a specialty in math and science. Oh, that's and right. I, I forgot was, about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never actually spent a single day in a classroom teaching. Um, yes. As I was getting closer to getting my degree to become a teacher, my marriage really started to fail. And I very much knew that if my marriage was going in the path that I thought that it was going, that Number one, I was going to be dependent on somebody. I had two young children and making $30,000 a year as a teacher salary just wasn't going to cut it. So I started kind of panic mode. What direction am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And my stepmom's very best friend was a mortgage lender. And I just remember talking with her and, um, realizing that, okay, what do you need to be successful at this? Wait, so you're telling me that my income has no cap. I can determine how much money I'm going to make and that it's tough, but that the hours are flexible. It's not a clock in and clock out kind of job. And that if I'm determined, I can create my own destiny. And what you're telling me is I need to be good at talking with people (laughs) And I need to be good at numbers. Numbers are my thing. And Lord, can I talk if you put me in the right environment? So, you know, it was like, I'm, I'm, and and it's so funny because as a loan officer, I'll look back at someone that's talking about getting in the industry and just like, (laughs) yeah, you think it's what it is. Come on in, get in the industry and, and what the, the roses and sunflowers and rainbows that you're thinking you're about to walk into are going to be, there's going to be some thunderclouds and some rain oh, sure. that you've yeah. got to get to to get there. 
But I loved the idea that it gave me that opportunity to have that entrepreneurial spirit, but also mm-hmm. a very pointed direction to go, you know? That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So that was what really got me into um, starting mortgages. And then I really, for the first, I started at a company called Brand Mortgage. They were a retail lender. And I sat in my manager's office for three days out of the month. And then the other two days out of the month, I was out putting heels on pavement, trying to build those relationships and getting those doors closed in my face and getting the phone calls hung up on and all that good stuff while I was turning around and really just learning by the fire of listening to my mentor. How are you originating these loans? Asking a million questions um, and building my business that way. And I was very fortunate to be able to gain some early traction early on whereas a lot of lenders really struggle with that. Sure. Now, where did the relationship come from um, where, where I met you on that team? How did you develop that relationship? Yeah, so it was really funny. At that time, I was still a, a newer, newer loan officer, kind of getting my feet and my name out in the industry. And I had closed a deal where I was tagged online and I ended up closing a loan through a realtor that's no longer part of the team that you're talking about. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it was a bank statement loan, which was a portfolio product. Not every lender offered it. And so they were looking for a lender that um, could work an outside of the box transaction. We took the transaction, got it closed. But I'd always had that team leader kind of on my mindset of, I'd really love to join that team. Um And I'd love to build those relationships. Of course, a team is a great way for a lender to look at long-term business plans, join, getting involved with teams. And we can talk about that down the road, but it's more of a business plan approach. And how am I going to build a sustainable business? Because every month, just like a realtor, you're starting from zero and dictating what your paycheck's going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I first started by doing a loan that couldn't get done. Uh, by another lender, picked it up, saved the deal, got them closed. And then when another one of the agents on that team was having an issue with the current preferred lender with an outside of the box thinking, mm-hmm. their teammate said, hey, I want for you to talk with Jenna. Give her a call. I think she can get this closed. That other agent that referred to me was my, ended up becoming my best friend and mm-hmm. closed that first loan together where... um they were turned down by their current lender. Um, and we went in and reevaluated their income, got a little bit more detailed information and got it closed within a couple of weeks after that. And I've always been a lender that I'm not good at calling and asking for business. I've always been a lender that I like for my work ethic and my customer service to reflect mm-hmm. and reflect who I am and how I'm here to serve you but I'm also not one to say grovel and beg. You know what I mean? Where yeah. I want to make sure that you're understanding that if I'm working with your clients, I have a level of expectation that I expect of myself, that I expect of my team and things that we're going to be bringing to the table that it's not what other lenders are bringing to the table. We're adding more value and letting that value shine as opposed to just... I want to work with agents that understand how that value helps their business, that it's not just a mindset of, hey, I'm going to give you this deal and you're going to get it closed. And there and there's no value proposition there where it's a, now you kind of owe me one. 
I want to more be coming to the table with, this is the value that I'm bringing. This is the level of service that we're expecting to be providing to your clients um, and, and working more as an even partnership. Is kind of well, my, I mean, I can attest on, on my side of things is I feel like you built a bit of a reputation of Jenna's the girl that can get it closed. Absolutely. If you were having any trouble mm-hmm. with transactions where like, let's say your buyer came to the table with a lender that sucked mm-hmm. and something mm-hmm. went wrong, you really built that reputation, which then it made us even more want our clients to work with you up front to push you as the preferred lender. And I think that I, I would at least speculate that's a, a big portion of how you built that up is people just trusted you. It's all, yeah, it's all from word of mouth. And, you know, one of the compliments that I've had to learn to take as a compliment um, is I've heard a lot really in the past couple of years of, man, Jenna will really shoot it to you straight. She tells you what you need to hear. She's a real, she just cuts to the chase. And at first, it kind of hurt my feelings, honestly. I'm just, <laughs> I really put my heart in this job and I want for people to see my heart and where my, mm-hmm. what my end goal is. But also the reality is when you're dealing with lending, solutions are your way to the closing table. And so it doesn't do me any good if client calls and I tell them everything that they want to hear if I can't get them closed. So Absolutely. from that very one start of the process, we're really nailing down, you know, and I might be a little bit more reserved to send a pre-approval lender out as another lender without having all my documents in. I want to make sure that before my agents start spending their time to show houses, start working on negotiating, that they know when they're submitting that offer that on the lending side of things, that deal is a solid good deal, okay? And part of that is, in that business growth of as a real estate agent, that client that you close at the closing table, they're not going to remember where the stress or pressure came from, mm-hmm. but they are going to remember the feeling that they had at the end of closing. Oh, and sure. so the big the big question is, did that client get to the closing table with a big sigh of relief? Gosh, that sucked. I'm so glad that's over with. Or did they get to the closing table going, wow, once we went under contract, that was a much more pleasant and wonderful experience than I ever would have expected. Which client at the end of the day is more likely to refer my realtor partners more future business? Right, though. And if you're lending, we refer back to you. Yep. And so if, if you're referring to a lender that every transaction, that client is stressed out, they haven't planned properly. They're trying to solve a problem instead of being already having a game plan in place. That client at the closing table is going to be left with a feeling that it wasn't a smooth transaction. And that in turn reflects in your business. And so it's really been a point of, look, I'm not going to beg you. I don't want to beg for business. But I also, it's understanding the value that if your client is at the closing table and they are um, ecstatic with the service that they've received. For, they view your referrals as part of your service. So mm-hmm. if you referred a lender that was disorganized and a mess, then that's part of their reflection on you as the team. And the goal is to show them, look, when you come to the Phillips team, you're coming to exactly that, a team, where our realtors, our, partner, our lenders, and our attorney con- partners are all working together as a team because we all have to work together But when you have that established relationship, we're working together as a team with a like mindset, with a Mm -hmm. like goal, 
to get you closed and get you closed efficiently. And, and I think you're absolutely right. I think the client doesn't know how to differentiate between the roles of the realtor and the lender and the closing attorney all the time. It's, it is one side to them. And if mm-hmm. anything gets rocky, then it does. It reflects on everyone. Yeah. And they just assume that everyone in the transaction is not doing their job. So yeah, right. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So talk to us a little. So part of, you know, a lot of people that listen to our podcast are realtors, a lot of new realtors in the industry. What would you advise them are like the key components that they need to be looking for in a preferred lender? So there's quite a few kind of different yeah. <laughs> topics and directions that you can go with that. First of all, you want to make sure that you're work styles kind of match your personalities, right? You're going to have some personalities that rub wrong or work well with others, and that's okay. You can have a great lender that works great with some certain personalities and not great with others and vice versa. Um, I think some of the biggest keys are, number one, experience. And if they're, they are a newer lender, do they have a team behind them mm-hmm. that that person can go to? Just like how you talked about You might not want to spread that you're brand new to the industry, Mm -hmm. but if you're brand new with no resources to turn to, then it's very clear you're brand new. Right. If you're brand new, but you've got resources that you're constantly turning to and you're solution finding, then that sets up for a very different experience. So the first is how much experience does that lender have? Are they someone that's been in the industry 20 years, but they've only been closing 10 transactions a year? That person I view as less experienced as a lender that's been in the industry two or three years, but is closing 10, 20, 30 transactions a month, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, what's their level of customer service? Are, the loan officer is really that the buffer from the realtor to the client to the lender. Mm-hmm. But once that client's under contract, they meet more of my team right? They've got processors and closers that'll then touch base with them. Is our staff that works behind the scenes as customer service oriented as I am, right? Are they as motivated to get that closing done on time as I am, as you are? So it's important that you're working with a company that has aligned mindsets and we want to make sure that the customer is getting the service that they need, that we're being responsive, that we're being efficient, and that we're not missing our closing dates. Um, Mm. We survey our agents and our clients at every closing. That's because that's a big part of our business and making sure that we're constantly evaluating that customer service and that we're constantly evaluating how we're working with our partners throughout the process and keeping, again, the goal is that those clients are happy at the closing table. Mm -hmm. We are not a lender that's geared towards a you certainly don't want to work with a lender that's working in a call center. Those loan officers don't have experience typically, and they're usually getting paid for each call that they pick up. Okay. And for, for those of you listening that don't know, these are going to be your companies like Quicken that are online yeah. quick loans that yeah. they are just trying mm-hmm. to get them close. So Rocket you, Mortgage. Yeah, Rocket. If you see your client, yeah. not to say that they can't close deals, but on average, if you see your your buyer come to you with that type of pre-approval, I would put some fear in them. I would, I would reach out to <laughs> well, Jenna instead. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, and the way that I try and explain it is a little bit from a business perspective. Okay, let's take out your online lenders. Let's see, Let's even just 
bring it down to your bank lender. That lender sits in their bank office, okay? They don't build relationships with their realtors. And what? how do they originate loans? They get people that are walking into their bank and say, hey, I want a mortgage, mm -hmm. right? So if that transaction falls apart, how is their future business negatively affected? I mean, it's, it's not. not really. Whereas let's say the Phillips team, they send me a deal. And if I manage it like a cluster and it's a disaster from start to finish, I run the risk of you no longer referring me business. Absolutely. So it's, yeah. in, my, it's in my best interest to make sure yeah. that I'm keeping my agents happy and that I'm keeping my borrowers happy because sure. that's how I keep closing more loans. Mm -hmm. If you have someone that's not dependent on keeping people happy, then why is that a, a focus of theirs? It's not a focus of theirs then at mm -hmm. that point. That reminds me of one that you saved for me probably a year ago. Um, they wanted to use a bank and I was like, whatever, mm, okay. you get to choose whoever you want to use. Right. And so okay. this bank couldn't get an appraiser out to, mm. um, we closed it in eight days. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You Talk had closed it before they could have even gotten an appraiser to the house. Talk a little mm. bit about that part of the company that you work for, because I think for anybody listening, if you can find a lender that offers this in this market is a game changer. Yeah. So Supreme Lending is a lending company that is not structured to be the biggest lender out there. We are genuinely structured to be the best. From our CEO down, that is our motto for everything. And it's the first time in my career that I felt like my morals and values that I was fighting for to serve my clients with, that I was finally at a company with aligned morals and values, okay? Mm -hmm. So that to me was like, it, it was it was very eye-opening. It's made my business wonderful because now I've got a company backing me that has the same um, expectations mm -hmm. of how we're serving the clients, the same expectations of how we're processing their transactions once they're going under contract. And it's just like Chick-fil-A, you want the same experience no matter where you go. I know that my clients are getting the same experience from my team when they're interacting with them as when they're interacting with me. So mm -hmm. some of the things at Supreme that really um, set us apart from the rest are things like we can close a, a loan in as little as eight business days. We're talking all loans except for USDA, VA, and Jumbo. So your standard FHA, your standard conventional, your standard down payment assistance programs, any of those we're able to close in as little as eight business days with a 99% close on time rate. You do it's not crazy. get phone calls from us here at Supreme, a last minute phone call, getting everybody to scramble and move closing the day prior to closing. That doesn't set a transaction up for everyone to be happy, right? right. And while as a loan officer, you're, you end up getting kind of pigeonholed because you have to make a commitment, but mm -hmm. you're also dependent on your team to follow through on that commitment. You know, we had a, a transaction closing on Monday where we had the appraisal come in two hours before closing. We got the appraisal in, got it back to underwriting, had the package there an hour before everyone's there to sign. Had another one where everything was in except for the title commitment. The attorney kept asking to delay closing because they knew they were going to get us a title commitment within an hour before closing. And we said, no, don't move it. We'll have it cleared by then. They get us the title commitment. We get it back. And 
our goal is to execute on those promises and make sure that when we're making a commitment, that our team's following through on it behind the scenes. So closing in as little as eight business days, um, customer service oriented, the processors that we work with, I've never worked with better processors in my career, um, with really slowing down, calling the client when they're receiving the file. It's things that the real estate agent, you guys don't ever see, but mm-hmm. it's it, it makes a big difference to that client's experience throughout the lending process. So the way that I explain it, explain it to a client is I work like the quarterback of the transaction where my goal is to put together our game plan make sure I'm talking to that client about all the numbers and the loan program and all that stuff. But then my goal from there, once you're under a contract, is to watch my team and make sure that everyone is accomplishing their role Mm -hmm. by the time that it needs to be accomplished at so that we're getting closed on time every time. Yeah. Uh, I have some Um, questions real quick. I don't want to, I'm sorry, I'm breaking off your role here. Uh, But how does it like with the eight day close, that is a, that's not a lot of time. And, and you've said that it mm-hmm. can come to the, go down to the wire, but you guys will get it closed. Um, is yeah, that, we say we're coming in hot, but we come in. We come okay. in hot, but we come in. Okay. I mean, do you lose sleep over that sometimes? I feel like I would not sleep over these things. No, because it's all about systems. Yeah. I lose less sleep now closing loans in eight days than I did at my previous company where we needed at least 30 days to close. No way. And the the reason why is because it's about leverage, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the same aspect as when you're on a team. On our end, what you don't see is individual roles being given to individual people. So we've got somebody that their only job is to follow up on title commitments from attorneys and on, on appraisals and homeowners insurance mm-hmm. requests. So you get a new file, their, their job is every file that we've got, they're monitoring those things. Are we getting title on time? Are we following up on the appraisal? And are we getting our homeowner's insurance? And they're getting all those managed and put in the file. Then you've got someone whose role is to set up that file and send your disclosures and order your title commitment and your appraisal. And then you've got somebody, you've got your underwriter, but everyone's got an individual role that they're sure. there to accomplish. And that's where you get your efficiencies in because no one person can manage 18 million parts that are running in a file. But when everyone has an, a consistent role that they're expected to complete, now you're simplifying it where it can be executed. I love it. That's very Henry Ford. Very good. I can't tell you yeah. the number of times that I have told a listing agent like, yeah, we can close in eight business days and they don't believe it because it's so it. rare. I'm sure you come up against it all the time where you're calling. That's something that I would say just from a personal, as a realtor, it, you need to find a lender that is willing to call the listing agent and speak to them on your client's oh, yeah. behalf and vouch for this pre-approval that they've if given. I, and if there's any loan officers out there that are listening, the guidance that I would actually give is Yes and no, because what I ended up finding, especially when the market got crazy, was mm-hmm. that those phone calls were seen as an inconvenience. What mm. I ended up finding that I get the most, because you got to think about these listing agents are getting inundated by 30 offers. Oh, sure. Now their phones ring in from the, from the buyer's agent and then the lenders are calling them. What I ended up finding, get it, I got the best response from was sending them a video 
I was about to say, now is it a video? My person. Yep. And by calling, I mean, have them reach out. However, that form right. medium Some is Some kind correct. of contact. Yeah. yeah. But That's I love the though. video aspect of it because I'm still able to get across what I want to get across. They're able to see my face, see that I'm a real person, right, see that sure. I'm a local lender. But I'm also, they can open and view that at their convenience instead right. of catching yes. them off guard while they're in a Chick-fil-A drive through grabbing lunch and reviewing offers with their seller. Uh-huh. You yep. know, you're catching them. You're, you're not catching them at an emotional point of inconvenience and frustration. You're catching them at a time that's convenient for them. And I've had a lot better response from that. That's really smart. It's a great point. Mm-hmm. Thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, what you got me here for? <laughs> yeah. As as Lizzie looks up uh, our next question, um, I just wanted to touch. It just reminded me of that transaction we were just talking about that you saved for us. Uh, did I tell you I got an email from that bank? Oh yeah. You I, were, did we talk about this on the last podcast? I, I think know. we might have. I don't know, but talk about it now. Um, so I emailed them and said, "Listen, thanks guys, but we got this thing closed well before you could even get it appraised." And they emailed me back. The president, um, I guess, of the loans division or whatever. And they're like, how, how did you do that? And I'm like, honest to God, I have no idea how she does it, but I know she does it and I can rely on her to get it done. And they were just flabbergasted. Like they don't even, they couldn't put together the pieces that would even allow that to happen. It's it's about, it's about leveraging. So most mortgage companies, do you want for me to talk about the details of why they don't see how that I would happens love, and how I would personally love I mean, to know. And I think it would be interesting. And, and if, if you could tell me what an underwriter is besides the mystery person that makes all these decisions, <laughs> yeah. I would love to yeah, know who that yeah. person is and yeah, what's going on. You could describe on. what these roles are so they know the breakdown of like, what do these, these words mean? <laughs> yeah. So before we dive in about the underwriter, and I think that mm-hmm. that's a great question as well. Um, but why is it that, that the bank's calling saying they have no clue how you can get it done and we're able to get it done? Well, there's some behind the scenes magic that takes place there, okay? Normally the process, when you're ordering an appraisal, the appraisal is your biggest holdup. And that's their question is, how did you get an appraisal in, in time to close in eight days from placing the order, right? Well, what ends up taking place is a lender gets that contract and then they have to place that order through an appraisal management company. Mm -hmm. It's a third party company that is put in place to make sure that there's no bias in the mortgage lending world. So I'm financially incentivized to get a transaction closed, just like you're financially incentivized to get a transaction closed. So what they want to prevent is me from being able to call up my appraiser buddy and being like, hey, appraiser friend, I need you to go out to this property and it's got to appraise for this amount so I can get paid, please. They're, they el- eliminated that and put a middleman there as a buffer. Makes sense. When yeah. you put... When you place an appraisal order, we are given a, um, you request a due date. Hey, we'd like to have this appraisal back by X due date. The appraisal management company then goes to their board of appraisers that have registered with them and said, okay, we have this appraisal order. Who's going to raise their hand and take it? And they wait for someone raises their hand. I'll take it. I got it. Well, then if they come back to us and say, we can't. Um, we can't get that appraisal completed in the time that you're asking for. Essentially, what Supreme does without um, without passing the cost on to our borrower, because we know that executing the, we're not here to make maximum money out of every loan. We're here to make sure that our real estate agents know that we're here to make sure every mm-hmm. loan is taken care of. Okay. 
So we'll turn around behind the scenes and we'll tell that appraiser, okay, so you're telling me that you can't get it until the 20th, but we need it by the 18th. How much is it going to cost to get it by the 18th? And they say, it'll cost $300. And we say, okay, we'll pay $300. And so then we make sure that we're getting our appraisal in by the timeline that we need. We're paying bonuses behind the scenes to make that happen. Sure. Right. Sure. But it's not, that's why other lenders, they're going, we're reaching out and they're not giving us a due date for that. So how are you getting it closed? Well, number one, we start off paying a little bit more. So we're, they want to take our orders before they mm-hmm. take others. And number two, we offer, in, you know, bonuses to get it in on the time that we need it in by. And then we don't pass that cost on to the borrower. I mean, that way our that realtors- cost is great. You know, yeah. Yeah. it's such a small cost to eat to get it done. Right, right. And to be able to turn around and tell your realtor partners that no matter what the environment is, as long as we're closing in an FHA or a conventional loan, we're going to close you in eight business days. Let them know we're coming hot, but we're coming. <laughs> so, yeah, that, so that hopefully adds a little bit of clarity of like, yeah. why is it some mortgage companies struggle with this appraisal piece and some mm-hmm. don't? That's why, is it depends on how much leverage do they have with their appraisal management company that they're partnered with. Okay. I mean, I think it goes um, deeper as well, though, with with Supreme, I can speak on it is you guys have the fast turnaround when it comes to like internally and your team, your processes, your underwriters, they are way, way, way faster. You know, it can take three to four days to hear back from an underwriting of one small change in another company. Yeah, yeah. So we they monitor because we are really set on not just making the promise, but executing on that promise. Mm-hmm. Then everybody's monitored. Um, how long is it taking you to review a file? How long is it taking for you to turn in that file? How long are, um, how many days from receipt of that file until our clients are getting us back our documents? And so we're monitoring that process to make sure everyone knows what's expected of them. And by the way, we have one of the best work environments I've ever seen. So we might talk about people like when there are expectations that they know what they are and they can complete those expectations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What employees don't like is when they're not sure what the expectations are and they're not sure how to execute those expectations. But when we've got some, we are, we've been rated the number one best place in Atlanta to work for the past six years in a row. And yes, we monitor and have very high expectations of who on our team, what are they executing and when? but they also know exactly what's expected of them mm-hmm. and given the tools to be able to do that. Yeah, so absolutely, that can make a big difference. Wow. So do you want to talk a little bit about what, what is the role of processor, underwriter, you, like how those roles yeah. differentiate as best as possible? So there, I always say that closing loans is like raising children. It takes a village. So (laughs) I've got four kids of my own. Lord, do I know how many people it takes (laughs) to come in and make sure that everybody stays alive and happy and and moving and rolling along. So um, I am that main point of contact. Your loan officer is your main point of contact with your real estate agents. um, And the loan officer is the main point of contact initially for the borrower. I stay, they know, and, and I always have, like a conversation once a client goes under contract, okay, you're under contract, what can you expect from us? Mm -hmm. So all that I'm about to talk to you about, it's not like the client's surprised. They know what they're about to expect. And I'm going to talk you through the process, but do just know that um, every company might manage their process slightly different. 
Sure, okay. absolutely. So the first step, we receive a binding contract in and now it's go time, right? Now you've got an active loan. You're not just pre-approving somebody. The first thing that that lender is going to do is send what we what they call initial disclosures. That's the overview of the loan, the overview of the loan application, loan estimate, and some legal documents that talk about the buyer's protection throughout the home buying process and things like that. Mm. Then from there, our team goes in and orders immediately all of what I call our third-party order outs or essentially things that we need from people other than our buyers and our agents to get that person closed on the home. Mm-hmm. So that would be your title commitment um, from your closing attorney, the appraisal, transcripts from the IRS, social security authorization, anything behind the scenes that we need to get those balls rolling. Okay. So we get all those orders done and then the file goes to the underwriter. The underwriter has four primary roles that they're trying to take care of. And an underwriter is a separated part of the process, again, to make sure that there's no bias in Mm -hmm. the process, okay? But an underwriter's four primary goals are that the borrower is who they say they are, that they work where they say they work, that their income is calculated properly, stable, and expected to continue, that the funds that are being used for the purchase are sourceable funds, that they're from an acceptable place and that they are enough to accomplish what we need to accomplish. And then lastly, that the home meets the minimum requirements of the loan that that client is getting and your appraisal knocks off that last one for you, okay? But the underwriter guidelines are thousands of pages long. We could spend (laughs) years talking about what an underwriter is trying to do, but those are the four main goals that they're trying to accomplish and verify. So they're going to get our initial set of documents in the file. That's going to be like your pay stubs, W-2s, tax returns, bank statements, things like that. Mm -hmm. And they're going to review that and go, okay, to complete checking off these boxes that I need to check off, here's some additional information that we need. When a file comes out of underwriting, what we're looking for, there's two different ways a file can come out of underwriting. A file can come out conditionally approved which means that as long as we cross our T's and dot our I's, everything looks good and we should be good to go. Or a file can come out suspended. And that pretty much on the company side kind of means pause, all hands in deck, there's an issue, we need to figure out the problem, okay? So whether that's, you know, that there's an unsourceable deposit that we need to figure out on that's popped up on bank statements or their incomes had a trending issue that we need to figure out, Um, and get clarity to that underwriter from, or there's, you know, we know that there's a, or a bankruptcy pops up, you know, whatever it is, that's the scenario, nine times out of 10, and a good loan officer is structuring a file to come out conditionally approved. Or there are times that I know a file's about to come out suspended, but I've already got my game plan for it. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Of like, hey, I know that we're missing this one piece of the puzzle. My borrower's working on getting it right now, but I don't need to hold up my loan for it because I know that I'm good. Sure. You know? yeah. So so there's still, but once it comes out of underwriting, then at that point, um, we have essentially a to-do list to work down, okay? And from there, that's when the processor will introduce themselves to the client. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. That's when, (laughs) that's when the processor will introduce themselves to the client. And the way that I refer to them is while I'm big picture and problem solving, they're the nitty gritty crossing of T's and dotting of I's of documents. It's not efficient use of a loan officer's time to go back and forth, five different emails talking about getting page eight of their bank statement. You know sure. what I mean? So that's where that process yeah. stepping in okay, cool. to get all those little detailed documents. Mm-hmm. And they're letting me know when there's a problem. Like, hey, I've now asked this client three times for this document. I'm not getting it in. I, do we? Is there an issue here that we need to help work through? Yeah. So we all work together as a team, but they're there to really help get those nitty gritty little details nailed down. The goal is that by the time the client has all their documents in, we should start getting all those third-party documents in to send it back to underwriting for your clear to close. Sure, sure. Is that what you were looking for? Perfect. That's fantastic. Yep, that's perfect. Okay. I think that helps the new agent who's like, what even happens when I'm not there? I have no idea. So that I was mean, really, really good. That helps me. I'm like, you know, I've <laughs> I know, been doing this a long right? time. I'm like, who is this underwriter who makes these decisions? Can I talk to this person? <laughs> no. Okay. I mean, no, I guess actually we can't. can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's actually, there's, there's a little bit of like a, a dynamic pull of, our, we are here to, essentially plead our case for our mm-hmm. loan to the underwriter. Um, and it is important, like here at Supreme, our underwriters are are oriented and their goal and mindset is to get loans closed, not to deny them. We're here sure. to approve loans. We're not mm-hmm. here to look for reasons to deny. And it is important as a loan officer that you're working with a company that has that mindset because some underwriters are just going to go in and nitpick apart everything. Um, and that doesn't accomplish we're in the business of closing loans. You don't get paid. You know, we've got to, well, we've yeah, got to have absolutely. that as our, our end goal. Mm-hmm. Don't make things yeah. harder, make things easier. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we've we've had nothing but a good experience working with you. And, and so it's really nice to be able to have you on today. Um, I think we are going to try to wrap it up. Okay, so we right. like to do... Oh. I know we've talked I know. a while. It's I did not expect so that. fast. I just looked out at the clock <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, how are we already here? Um, okay. So at the very end, we like to do a random spontaneous question and we never think of our questions ahead of time, which is something we probably should go ahead and start doing. But well, that's why uh, it's random and spontaneous. It's exactly. A, thank you, Jenna. It's just, that's it's, it. it's morphed into that. It used to be like, oh yeah, we should really start to think about these ahead of time. Now we're like, whatever, they're just random and yeah, spontaneous. We'll figure it out. Okay, so my random and spontaneous question for you is what is the number one book that you have read that changed your business life? 12-week year. Uh, I, I, like that. That. I, I knew like that. that was going to be I gave, answer. Those out, I gave those out to uh, two or three years ago to all my real estate agent partners. That to me was so much about learning how to get out of the mindset of working in your business and working on your business, which I think mm-hmm. anyone in real estate it's, it is a constant um, struggle and a constant pull of working on your business instead of getting stuck in your business and in the individual transactions that you have going. That really helped me shift my mindset um, of taking things, bigger projects that I had in mind that because the day seemed so busy, you felt like you were never able to get to those. And they just ended up kind of staying on the back burner. Sure, It helped me learn how to structure and prioritize my business in a way that I could slow down and make some of those things more of a priority and make those 
forever to-do list goals become more of an action item that's being implemented daily. That's awesome. Wow. I think in the future, we're going to actually do a podcast episode about that book once we both have read it. I was going to say, can I read it? I mean, I, I've I, read a lot of it. Johnny hasn't read it yet. Yep. You got to get on the reading because we have a whole month of podcasts about books. So, oh. but yeah, that's that's perfect. Um, oh, I was like, bye, Jenna. <laughs> my, well, I just popped up low battery. Sorry. No. Oh no, no, no. You're no. Good. Um, okay, so my question is just as professional oh, and sure profound as as you would expect. <laughs> um, who is your favorite Disney character? <laughs> um, connected. I've got to say, uh, I'd have to say Snow White only because, really? only because when I was a little girl, my aunt always said that I looked like Snow White because of my super dark hair and my super pale <laughs> complexion <laughs> and my bright red lips. So I think that's probably got to be my favorite. Although I'm really loving, um, the big sister off in Kanto right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lisa. Yes. Yes. Her <laughs> song, Lisa's song, is like my life out of uh, just attack life, get things done, yes. carry the burden when you need to. We all yes. have burdens that mm-hmm. have to be carried, um, but also realize where that balance needs to come into play. So she's like my current fantastic recent we, favorite but if you're talking like <laughs> overall favorite i have yeah. to say snow white just because of that <laughs> it's so funny you would say that because we literally had a dance party with our son in the kitchen just moments ago two hours ago yeah. before we started this to that oh, i love it mm-hmm. he loves i love it, it. if I, my kids and i raved to that my daughter actually sets her alexa to it so she would do it every morning um, but even I'll even find myself like if my head's on a file and I need to like just okay. feel like I need to, to conquer it, I will totally turn that song on and rock it out and just feel like I've got a breath of motivation in me. I love it. And so, okay, so we're actually going to Disney on Sunday. I literally booked this Fun. trip. Two I just days got ago. back last week. That was going to be That's my right. question. Yeah. I'm adding another question here. Um, did they have anything in Canto there yet? Have they had anything yet? Well, so I only went to Magic Kingdom okay. and Animal Kingdom. Okay. I didn't see anything there for, um, I, I don't remember seeing anything there. Yeah, for, I figured it's too early. Have, the movie's so new. Yeah, yeah. But okay. no, I, did, I don't remember seeing anything for that movie there. But they've got like all the Frozen stuff is over at Epcot and other, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, where we go. Oh, okay. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be somewhere yeah. else. We're just going to do two parks. I mean, Liam's two. He doesn't need to do more than right. two days at Disney. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm expecting no. it to be very exhausting. Yeah. Um, would you Would you say that's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll want to make sure. But I've I've actually brought how old's Liam now? Two. He'll be two. Okay. So when we brought Cole, he was two for the first time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think some tips to give there is. Yes, bring a stroller, but you do have to park those strollers mm-hmm. at a lot of different places. So I'd also encourage if you baby wear to bring one of your baby wearing things so you can like oh. hold them in line and things like that. What is that? I don't um, know. Some, your... I'm sorry. My phone is somewhere and it's, it's somewhere exploding. going off. I have no idea where it is. It's just making loud noises. Just oh God. decline it. <laughs> Guess who it was. Anyways, I know. So. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. We, we're like trying to figure out all the best ways to do it. But that's a good point though with the lines. Maybe we'll put, bring like um, the, the harness thing. Oh, no. He might be too heavy. Yeah, having a harness, just having something... 
you can easily just put them in on your hip when you're standing mm-hmm. in line for two hours. Mm-hmm. It's so nice as opposed to like, yeah, the stroller's nice to trek from one side to yeah, the yeah, other. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't bring that in all your lines with you. So I encourage that. I also keep your eye on the app and make mm-hmm. sure that like 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, you're starting to register for the earliest fast passes that you can. What? what and then... And then you Oh, we're gonna be up early. I'll wake up early for Disney. You better believe that. I literally would. I literally would set an alarm, pull it up, register for them, and go back to bed. Like, (laughs) I mean, but they get booked up so quick. Yeah. And you can only register for two rides at a time. So you want to register first, go to those rides, and then you can register for more. Mm. Yeah. And and things like that. So. Yeah, we got the genie thing. Yeah. 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 That's it. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much for being on today. Jenna, thank you. always appreciate you. We always appreciate everything that you've done for us and have helped us with. And so. Real quick, hold on before we sign off. Oh, Um, sorry. How widespread are you and Supreme for people who are listening? Um, Maybe it's regional. I honestly don't know. I I know you and John. So (laughs) Supreme goes all the way. Supreme is actually based out of Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, our head corporate office is in Texas, but Supreme works like a franchise where really our region and how we manage like eight day closings, all that stuff is our Southeast region. Okay, uh, okay cool. Yeah. So not all Supreme works exactly the same we'll do that, as yeah. our Supreme. We're the, right. in the Southeast region where our CEO is Pat Flood. Um, it's his region that mm-hmm. is under and structured the same way. Of course, Supreme's still a great company, but when I'm talking about specifics that we're doing here at Supreme, it's in yeah. regards to our region in particular. Sure. I'm licensed in the state of Georgia only, um, but we've got lenders in every state, um, Texas and East. East, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. And yep. if someone wanted to reach out to you, how would they do that? Yep. So my cell phone number is 678-851-4716. We live off our phones here in real yep. estate. You're welcome to call, mm-hmm. text me, or my email is Jenna. That's Jenna with a G. So I G-E-N-N-A dot L-O-T-T at supremelending.com. Sweet. Perfect. Sweet. Well, yeah. thanks for being on today. Jenna, thank, thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. I love watching you kill it and work in this crazy business with you. Right. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Bye. Right. I got, oh, I got to do my fun sign off. Okay. This is my fun sign off. Bye.